Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. My name is Mary Jo Parrish. I'm the founder of Kingdom Builders. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing we become what we behold. We become what we behold. Just want to say a welcome to everybody if you're listening. I want you to know that you are loved and you are always welcome here. So I always like to start with a few funny stories because the Lord loves to hear us laugh. I'm a mama 10 and my husband and I took our kids hiking. We had a warm day, so we were really excited to take them out on a trail. And my daughter, who's 13, Adelina, she started to climb up on this log. And she said, Mom, is this poison ivy? And there's still some snow on the ground at this point. And I'm like, no, Adelina, that's moss. Pretty sad that my kid doesn't know the difference between moss and poison ivy. But then my son, Joseph, who's very cautious and he's six, and he was like, thinking about getting up on that log. And then he heard her and he said, oh, forget it. I am not touching poison yolk. And I'm like, Joseph, there's no poison oak right now. It's still technically winter, buddy. You don't have to worry about that. You can get on that log. And he like, he would not get on that log because he was worried about the poison yolk. So he starts backing away and he's like, so you saying there's no poison yolk? And I said, no, there's no poison oak, bud. And he's looks down at the ground, and he says, three weaves, white. And I looked down, and sure enough, there was stinking poison oak. Yes, three leaves. He found poison oak or poison ivy, whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, three leaves. So the six-year-old could identify the poison oak in the middle of winter. The 13-year-old, not so much, after I said, yeah. And he kind of looked at me, walked away, and shook his head like he was just disappointed in so many levels of me failing as a mom, which we thought was hilarious, so we just laughed. So just in case you're having a day where you're like, oh my gosh, I am messing up all the time. That's all right. I mess up all the time. And the Father still loves me, right? He still loves you. He's still working through all of it. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon his handmaid's holiness. Behold, from now on all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So first thing we talk about at Kingdom Builders every single time is our foundation, because you can't build unless you have a really strong foundation. And we have three things that we do on our foundation is we pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day is that you would not expect your cell phone to work well unless it was charged. And we need to be charged. We need to be open to receiving the Father's love for at least 10 minutes every single day. And hopefully that will increase over time, but a minimum of 10 minutes no matter what's going on. So prayer for 10 minutes a day is the first thing we do in our foundation. The second thing is we go to church on Sundays, right? That's a divine commandment, not a divine suggestion. And so if you're comfortable here in the midst of the pandemic listening to this, if you're comfortable going to a restaurant at this point in time, then you should be comfortable going back to church. 
we need to be worshiping the Lord on Sunday when he has commanded it. And the third thing is, so praying 10 minutes a day, going to church on Sundays, and then we're staying in a state of grace. If any of us are struggling with serious sin, the Lord wants us free of that. So if you have to go to confession, self-help group, individual counseling, whatever you need to do to be free of that heavy sin so that you can receive all the graces that our Lord wants to give you, you get free of it. Like make a plan, pray to the Holy Spirit, show me what that looks like, and then move forward. So the prayer 10 minutes a day, going to Sunday Mass and staying in a state of grace, free mortal sin, that's your foundation. And then after we build that strong foundation, then we can worry about building ourselves, others in the church. But the Lord wants us to have that strong foundation. So today we're just discussing we become what we behold. So we know that we're the Lord's temple. We're his dwelling place. We are his vessel. And he cannot stand anything polluting that which he loves so dearly. This is from Second Chronicles 36, 14. The people added infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of the nations and polluting the Lord's temple, which he had consecrated. The Lord wants our temple to be pure, right? He doesn't want any of those abominations polluting that which he loves. And so a lot of times we're aware of things that would desecrate or pollute our temple, such as like air purity. You know, we're aware of air pollution during the the significant part of the pandemic when everything was shut down. There was all these videos and pictures of the air quality in these big cities, which normally was filled with like smog and whatever. And all of a sudden it's clear. People are like, oh my gosh, I saw the stars for the first time. You know, people have never left the city. So like we're aware of the air quality. When I was in boot camp, my husband and I met in the Navy, so I'm a vet. And um, when we were in boot camp, they make you go through this part where you have to wear gas masks and they, you know, put this really bad chemicals in the air and you have to feel how terrible it is. Even with a gas mask, you can still have those chemicals. They still sneak inside the masks and you have to stand there for a certain amount of time and you finally get out of this terrible little like facility. And a lot of people are just like puking and there's snot and everything coming out of all the orcas. Like you recognize how sacred clean air is after spending time in the whole gas mask thing with the boot camp. Like it is a severe form of torture, but they need their soldiers to know how bad it is when they can't breathe well. So they know how important it is to have those gas masks ready. So that was really the first time I recognized like how significant air quality is. And that stayed with me even all these years later. So we recognize like the purity of the air that we breathe. It matters. Our air purity is either helping us stay healthy or making us sick. It's one of the two. So we know the air purity. So what else? So we have water. So I don't know if any of you are water snobs, but like 60% of our body is made up of water. And if you think about some of the statistics, like a third of the world's population does not have safe drinking water. And without that purification, it actually leads to sickness and disease. So our water purity is so important. I went to one of my friend's house and I said, can I make a cup of coffee? And she said, sure. And she said, just make sure you use the reverse osmosis. And I said, I have no idea what language you just spoke. That's like the purified water before it goes into the coffee machine. So we recognize that the purity of our water, it matters. 
our water purity is either helping us stay healthy or it's making us sick. It's one of the two. And so we look at like air purity, water purity. What about our food? Do we care about our food? We are increasingly aware of the chemicals used when growing our food or the chemicals used to keep our food fresh. And we recognize how those chemicals can impact our body negatively. Even our kids are trained to be careful in germs and food like salmonella. So like the reason Joseph said poison yolk is because he's used to baking. You know, he's used to like, you can't eat that because there's yolk. There's, and that could be have salmonella. So like poison oak got switched to poison yolk. You know, so even our kids are aware of that. The whole organic, non-GMO, grass-feds, that's a focus for many because we recognize that the purity of our food matters. It is either helping us stay healthy or it's making us sick. We are constantly forming or deforming our bodies by what we allow to enter into them. But remember, we're not just a body. We're a body and a soul. And how can we be aware of the purity of our air, our water, and our food, but then be blind to the pollutants that are entering our soul because we become what we behold? So what things are we allowing to enter our soul? I'm really thinking about like through screens. Think about that. Like what are we beholding? Who are we becoming? God gave each human being a conscience, and this is part of the natural law written on every human heart. This is from Jeremiah 31, 31. I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God gives us that natural law in our hearts, that conscience, And then he gives us the free will and intellect to take it from there. And we are constantly either forming or deforming our bodies and our souls. So we talked about how we deform our bodies. But what about the souls? How do we form or deform our souls? Like that seems a little like, hmm, I wonder how to do that. So that's a great question, you know. How do we deform? or form our souls. When we behold what is good, beautiful, and true, we form our souls. We become sensitive to what's holy. We're more in tune to the voice of God. Our conscience becomes stronger, loud, and clear. The opposite is true. When we behold what is bad, ugly, and wrong, we deform our souls. We can become numb to holiness. God's voice quiets down and our conscience becomes weak and confused. I remember growing up, we had this girl in our class who had like all the best food at her house. And the thing that she had, which I coveted greatly, was Twinkies. So I was like, oh my gosh, like if you were a family that could have Twinkies in your cupboard, like you had it made, like you had the good life then. And I always had this like fascination, like, oh, Twinkies, those are the king food, blah, blah, blah. And so as an adult, supposedly they were going out of business or something. And so my kids were like, we need to get Twinkies. I'm like, all right. So they bought some Twinkies. And 
They're like, Mom, do you want to try a bite? And I had this memory of how good the Twinkie tasted. And I was like, sure. And I tried a bite. And all I could taste was chemicals and sugar. And I like spit it back out. It did not taste good to me. My memory of what it tasted like was not the same as what it tasted like in my mouth. Because my palate had become sensitive to the pollutants. And that's the same with our souls, is that when we begin to form our souls well, we become sensitive to the pollutants. So St. Thomas Aquinas explains sin. He says, sin darkens our intellect and weakens our will. Well, that seems kind of hard to remember. So I was praying about that. I'm like, Lord, I need a better way to remember this. This sounds good. Then he tells me this. Sinning literally makes us numb and dumb. The more we sin, the more numb and dumb we become. If you ever look back in your past, if you've had some struggles with sin and you're like, oh my gosh, how was I that numb and dumb? Like you can look back because sinning, the more you sin, the more numb and dumb you become to it. Because why? Because we become what we behold. If we're surrounding ourselves and we're entering into that over and over again, we start to become that. We start to become what we behold. And that's exactly where Satan desires us. He wants that power and control over us. He wants us enslaved by sin. So St. Anselm, I acknowledge, Lord, and I give thanks that you have created your image in me so that I may remember you, think of you, love you. But this image is so obliterated and worn away by wickedness. It is so obscured by the smoke of sins that it cannot do what it was created to do unless you renew and reform it. And that's exactly why Jesus died on that cross. He will not allow sin to keep his children numb and dumb. So even when we feel completely enslaved by the sin and convinced we're total failure, God's grace and mercy comes in to rescue us. Brothers and sisters, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's from Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. Even when we feel dead in our transgressions, that's exactly when Christ comes and reaches for us. By grace we're saved. So one thing I know, like when I'm parenting, when my kids are being disobedient, when they're questioning my authority, when they're acting out, it's like I just have to take a pause, like what's happening right now? It's usually the times when we're the busiest and I've not spent enough time with them. But when my kids feel me close, when they hear my words, when they're laughing with me, when they're sharing their joys with me and their struggles, and they feel my love, they more quickly trust and obey. St. Ignatius says, it is not hard to obey when we love the one whom we obey. And that's the relationship that God desires with his children. He wants us to know and feel his love. He desires that relationship. And when we're in that relationship, the entering into the sin 
is so much more difficult, okay? When we're in that relationship with Jesus, it's so much easier to live in his will, to be obedient to his voice. And sometimes that relationship and intimacy with God can make us feel uncomfortable. If you've not experienced it yet, you can feel like, oh, that's for other people. That's not for me. That's a lie of the enemy. Relationship with God is for every human being who desires it. If you've never had that, if you never really entered into relationship, how do you know what is God's voice? You know, what is his presence? So these are some little tips that I found just along the way, like things that have been helpful for me. So the first thing is, remember that God speaks in love. He's a builder. He's never going to tear down or accuse you. He will love you. He will build you. This is John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So some of us have been trained to, you know, fear our Lord. You know, like we have to be obedient or he's going to, you know, scorch us with, it's like all of that is, it's just not who God is. God wants to love us. He wants a relationship with us. He loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us, not to condemn us, but to save us. Like the Lord wants that love and relationship with you. Remember that God's never going to lead you to sin. So let's say you have a cute neighbor guy and you really feel like you want to have an affair with the neighbor guy. It's like, no, no, because God's not going to lead you to sin, right? God is love, but he will not lead you to sin. He may ask you to repent, to recognize what you did was wrong and to feel sorry for that. He may ask you to prune away things that don't glorify him. But this is a great thing. The Lord is always forgiving and he's always merciful. The Lord wants our time. You know, love and relationship are built through time spent together. And the more time you spend with him, the more easier it becomes to hear his voice. And when we are seeking him daily in prayer, We are allowing ourselves to receive him daily. When we are allowing ourselves to receive his love daily, we can remember God's love is God's power, right? When we're allowing ourselves to receive his love daily, we become powerful and he wants his sons and daughters powerful. We also recognize that there's barriers to spending time being loved by the Father, So recognize the things that the enemy will whisper, which will keep you from spending time with the Father. So sometimes he'll say, oh, just wipe down this counter, Mary Jo, before you go to prayer. Oh, there's a few crumbs in the silverware drawer, Mary Jo. Just go ahead and do that before you go into prayer. Oh, just go ahead and check that email before you go into prayer. And all of a sudden, it's the end of the day and I haven't prayed. All those things that just do this before I pray. No, just start with prayer. Like, Begin your day with prayer and then keep on building with that throughout the day, allowing him to love you throughout the day. Another helpful tip, lead. Invite God in and allow him to lead you. St. Teresa of Avila began her prayer with come Holy Spirit, come. And that really helped her. If you invite God, he always shows up. 
always. So you can just say, come Holy Spirit, come. I say that a lot because he's always comes. I don't care what state you are in your life. I don't care how messed up you think you are, how full of sin. If you invite the Lord in, he comes. And remember that when you invite him to lead, you have to let him lead. So if you've ever been in a dance, like if you've been dancing with someone, two people can't lead, otherwise the dance is terrible, right? One person has to lead and the other one has to follow. And so we let our Lord lead and we follow his lead. And that means we have to be open and we have to trust him. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes we can experience a movement of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? You're in prayer sometimes, or sometimes even outside of prayer, the Lord will give me something. And you're like, is that the Holy Spirit? So these are some clues. Sometimes it can feel like heat or butterflies or a spark. The Lord a lot of times works through tears, or I'll just have a feeling of consolation. Occasionally I'll have an image in my mind, or the Lord will give me a word of knowledge. And most often the words of knowledge actually come from scripture. Imagine that the Lord uses his word to speak to us. Or there's just this flush of love or peace. So an example of that, 12 years ago, when I was praying about this women's ministry that was really laid on my heart, I had an image of a wheelbarrow. Didn't really understand what the Lord was doing with that at that point in time, but that was the image that I had, and also builder. And then somewhere in their kingdom, I didn't understand where kingdom builders would come from that at that point in time, but the Lord knew, right? And so he just kept giving me that image of the wheelbarrow. And I didn't know, you know, really what he was doing with that until I just kept praying with it over the years. So another thing is to surrender. Surrender it all to him. Once you discern where God is leading you, just be obedient to that. Surrender it to him. So we know that abundance follows obedience. So we trust him and his promptings. And then we expect his miracles. Like you're a daughter or son of the king you can expect the Lord's miracles. He wants you to expect them. This is Philippians 2, 7 and 8. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found in human appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus died to bring us life. And when we become open vessels, we actually become carriers of the Lord. And that means we not only become what we behold, we become who we behold. So I was in prayer and I had an image in my mind and that image gave me consolation and it was beautiful. So I was trusting it was the Holy Spirit leading me. It was baby Jesus, about a 12-week-old fetus, so very tiny. And he rested within my heart when I was at rest in prayer. And I had the understanding that when we rest in Jesus, when we become helpless and vulnerable, he too rests and allows himself to be helpless and vulnerable within us. Our body becomes his vessel. Our heart becomes his home, and we literally become who we behold. This is St. Therese of Lisieux. He does not come down from heaven each day to stay in the gold chalice, 
He comes down to find another heaven he cherishes infinitely more than the first, the heaven of our souls, made in his image, living temples of the most blessed trinity. I just invite you to contemplate what am I beholding, Lord, and to behold him, to allow yourself to be an open vessel and to carry him to the world. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.